Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, folks. Another tennis podcast for you. This one to look ahead to the Davis Cup finals where Matt is ready and raring to go in Malaga. Matt, tell us about your weather. The weather's great. I, I, oh. I can't hide that. It is low 20s, Celsius, sunny. Things are good. And this is indoors, this tennis, is it? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, the tennis is indoors. It would, it, it would okay. be quite nice to be outdoors. But no, the tennis is inside. So I'll be making the most of, of my mornings, I think, because the tennis doesn't start most days until uh, later in the afternoon. So I will try and get some, some vitamin D in, in the mornings. Okay. And Catherine, you've arrived back from Turin, which was quite nice for a week, wasn't it? Although you were indoors the whole time too. Um, um, how are you? How is your journey back? Well, I'm wrapped in an electric blanket. <laughs> <laughs> um, the journey back was fine, albeit it started rather too early uh, for my liking, but I have had a nap and I am sufficiently rejuvenated to pod. What happens from that point onwards, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Okay. Good. Right. Well, I'm ready. I'm wearing a hoodie, a dressing gown, and have wrapped myself in a heated blanket. Textbook. So, mm. You're ready. You're ready. You're ready for for a podcast done in in those circumstances. Listen, we've got lots to talk about because Matt's been in all the press conferences that the teams have gone through over the course of the last 24 hours. The tournament starts tomorrow. The Davis Cup Finals. I think what we'll do first is just run you through the draw so you are fully across the eight teams involved and also just get a, a sense of what the the halves of the draw look like and what we might have in store generally because you know I sort of forgot really when we had the the playoffs a little while ago I mean they were home and away ties really exciting stuff we were concentrating a lot on Great Britain which had Dan Evans at the forefront of it playing that match against Arthur Feast and then in the doubles coming back and winning and of course Dan Evans then got injured and he's not he's not actually able to play now which is a, a great shame for him I was actually reading a, a headline I think from Stu Fraser's article in the Times saying that Dan Evans is going to Malaga as a fan uh, which uh, which is very nice. Or did you tell me that, Catherine? I think I told you that, unless... I can step in here. Unless Stu Fraser is... Okay. Because I heard that originally from Catherine this morning, and then I read it from Stu Fraser in The Times this afternoon. So... Oh. 
Both. I did not give that story to Stu. I'm not <laughs> leaking to the time. <laughs> no, he's got an interview with him. We don't, he's got... we don't need an inquiry. Uh, David, I can't believe two separate sources have got Dan Evans' uh, information that you have. Yes, I'll be having words with him about not giving me that scoop. So thanks a lot, Dan. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, so he's on his way. Uh, Catherine and Stu Fraser are impeccable sources for us there. Um, and the lineup is going to be Canada against Finland, which is, I mean, what a great first tie that is. The, the defending champions up against Finland, who, honestly, when you said a few weeks ago, Matt, that I'm that, that Catherine should should go for Finland to win the Davis Cup in order to try to make up the ground and actually win the newsletter predictions competition, I thought was a joke in as much <laughs> as I, I didn't realise at the time that Finland were actually in this. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a heck of an achievement. But then when I actually looked at their... Their team and a couple of the players they've got, Rusevori and Helio Avaro in the doubles. I mean, these you know, these are good players, actually. Shall we do the Finland section? Because I have I have fun. Okay. I have fun Finland stuff to tell you, actually. Because excellent. Honestly, they are they are kind of what all the buzz is about at the moment in in the sort of start of this event. You know, Novak Djokovic has only just arrived in in Malaga. He was he was pitched at the airport today. Yannick Sinner's coming later, and, and they don't play till later in the week. But you know, we've got Finland opening off these Davis Cup finals, as you said, against against the defending champions in Canada. And I think there's so much buzz about Finland because we are expecting a lot of Finnish fans to be here. That is because there is a little town near Malaga, about 25 kilometers away, Fuenjirola, where there is the second largest colony of Finns in the world outside of Sweden. Um, They sort of have all come here for the sun. And there's this sort of little group and collection of Finns, and they are bringing, according to uh, Jarno, the media manager of the Finnish team, who I had a lovely conversation with earlier. He is a tennis podcast listener. Hello, Jarno. They're bringing 14 busloads of Finns over from that uh, town to Malaga tomorrow for the Davis Cup finals. And that is on top of a 1,000 who are coming over from Finland. Uh, The Federation sold a 1,000 tickets within three days um, when they qualified in September. So we're expecting maybe between (laughs) 1,000, 2,000 Finns tomorrow in in the arena. And this is just such a... Such a big deal for them, you know. T- tennis is tennis is not a big sport in Finland whatsoever. Jarno tells me it's about the thirteenth sport in in that country, um, behind you know sports you would expect to be way ahead of of tennis, like ice hockey and skiing and F one and sort of team events that they've won lots of medals in 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 the Olympics. Um, so this is a really big deal. You know, this is this is tennis on mainstream TV, um, sort of kind of the biggest deal that the national team has ever been in Finland. Um, they obviously had Jarko Niemannen reach, you know, pretty high up in the rankings about 15 years ago or so. He was quite a big deal then. But this is absolutely the biggest that tennis has been since then. And yeah, they're going to they're going to back it up with a lot of um, Finns coming here to support. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to sort of see what sort of atmosphere they can create. Can I change my prediction, Matt? 
because A, that that all sounds really fun and B, I've just done the maths and Finland really is the only the only way I can overtake David. Well, I've told you the fun part. Can I tell you the, the slight concern? Oh, God, is Emil Roussevori injured? I take it all back. <laughs> and plus, Matt's already gone for Finland, Catherine, because he wants the, t- the, the 250 points. Mm. So I noticed that Roussevori retired from his most recent match, which was actually a challenger played in Helsinki a couple of weeks ago. Um, I did some digging and found out that it was a shoulder injury, asked him about it in the press conference, and he said, quote, we are doing everything possible for making it on court tomorrow for the match, which I didn't think sounded that promising, unless it's some oh. kind of, you know, bluff and they're, and they're keeping their cards close to their chest and he's, he's actually okay. I, I've seen him hitting, but that's obviously very different to a match conditions. Um, yeah, but there is some concern there about Emil Roussevori, who obviously is their, is their big number one player. So... Okay, well, wishing them luck, <laughs> and you and your prediction, Matt. Mm. There was there was also a very sweet moment in the uh, press conference where one of the journalists um, asked a question to Harry Heliavara and mentioned mentioned his blog, and Harry Heliavara's face lit up, and he said, "I." I I can't believe you're reading my blog. Nobody reads that. And it's in Finnish. (laughs) (laughs) What's it? Do do we know what he talks about? What's in the blog? I think his blog is is entitled Living the Dream. And I think maybe it's about his his sort of journey as a as a professional player. And the and the and the question was about, you know, is this, you know, the sort of culmination of that dream being here at the at the Davis Cup finals. And he basically said, yes, that, you know, he is, he's having the time of his life, part of this Finnish team. It is a cool story. I I always remember him being a real character last year in the ATP finals when he was alongside Lloyd Glasspool. And every time he would do an interview, he would just sort of take over. He had a really, really good personality. Mm. Um, They're they're one of the teams that's splitting up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there is, so much going on in the doubles world. We're going to have to devote quite a section to that at the start of the year, aren't we? Um, but uh, I tell you, I got goosebumps when you were describing that number of people that are coming from Finland. And and that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what this event needs. It's it's so much more difficult for the, the, the countries that have got a really, really long way to go, of course. But that will get this thing off to a heck of a start. And, uh, you know, when you were saying that quite a lot of them live in this area or come to this area for the sun, it, it, it struck me. That I remember I remember going to Stockholm in late October once and how how dark it was. I mean, t- today I, we've gone to walk at about 4, 4.30 p.m. here in the UK and it was so dark and dreary. And, I mean, there's that's a massive issue, of course, in in Scandinavia and and I remember the complete flip side being in in a place called Orland in July which I think is between Finland and uh Sweden um where there was a champions tour event once and and it just didn't get dark at night time in the summer and that was an incredible experience but uh yes I can understand why Malaga's popular at the moment doesn't it have um sorry this is a downer I think it has the highest suicide rate in the world Finland doesn't it because of that because of the darkness. I believe it's sort of got the contrasting, so it always comes very near the top of quality of living lists. Um, 
as Scandinavian countries tend to. They've got things figured out over there, I think. Um, but just because of how long and dark the winters are, hmm. um, I believe if that, that might not be a current statistic that they're at the top, but they certainly have been and um, probably remain somewhere near. There's a very good uh, book about about Scandinavia called The Almost Nearly Perfect People, which which sort of gets to the heart of that, you know, it, 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 they always rank towards the top of, of quality of living, but then there are these sort of slightly slightly darker sides to it. And yeah, I would I, I would highly recommend that book. Um and, and and just on just on sort of fans coming over as well, I, I had a flashback to uh, last year, where the Netherlands had, had had loads of fans here as well, and 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 they were all dressed in in orange suits, which which now just feels like they they're sort of going to be dressed up as big Yannick Sinner fans, doesn't it? Because that's <laughs> that's that's very much uh, the vibe for for Yannick Sinner. So maybe you know, and and Netherlands are playing Italy, so it's going to be it's it, it, it's going to be a real um, sort of clash, I suppose. There, but yes, that that is the hope that a lot of these nations can can start bringing over their own sets of fans because we're going to need it because this is the first ever Davis Cup finals without a home nation you know Spain are Spain are not here they lost uh they lost in in the group stages and you know I think I think having Djokovic is is going to do a lot to sort of make not fully make up for that but he is going to bring a lot of buzz to this event um and just attention to this event I suppose um, but yeah, hopefully the other countries can can sort of provide the atmosphere because yeah, there's there's, there's no doubt about it. It's, it's a bit of a shocker not to have the home nations at the Davis Cup finals. That's what that's what the tournament's all about. Atmosphere. Actually, I'm just going to stick with that tie at the moment, Matt, because we mentioned that Finland are playing against Canada, who come in as defending champions. It's going to be interesting to see what that defence is like because. They've got Felix Auger-Aliassime back, who was the preeminent player a year ago. I mean, he he has never looked more convincing than he did a year ago. Every every tie he went into, it looked, it was almost Djokovician the way he would take to the court, and you would just expect him to deliver. And uh, and that's why it's been really such a disappointment the year that has followed. Obviously impacted by injury as well, but he doesn't have Shapovalov with him this time. What's I suppose Rusevori being injured really makes Canada big favourites. But actually, if he'd been fit or f- with their doubles prowess as well, I mean, that, it's not an absolute shoo-in, is it, that Canada win that tie? I agree. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll go through this draw. And I think it's a very open tournament. I, I don't see a clear favourite. And I think in that, in that top half where you've got Canada and Finland and Australia and Czechia, I think they're all just pleased to be in that half because Djokovic and Sinner are sort of in, in the other section. So it does make it does make those ties, I think, particularly open. I think for Canada, I heard that uh, Pospisil is a, is a little bit injured, so I'm maybe not expecting him to play, but even though he is here... Uh, but I think Felix Auger-Aliassime will be backed up by either Gabriel Diallo or Alexis Galano, who were integral to getting Canada to the finals because Auger-Aliassime didn't play the group stages in September and it was Diallo and Galano who, who did. And of those, I would guess they would go with Diallo. Um, he, he He's 
had the slightly sort of better wins. He's beaten Dan Evans a couple of times this year. Um, but both of them got their career best wins during during the September stage of the Davis Cup. So they've both shown up in this event before. So, you know, you're right. They are weaker prospects, I would say, than last year when they had Shapovalov and when they had Orgel Yassim in the form of his life. And now there's quite a lot of uncertainty around him. But yeah, it's a pretty pretty even tie, I would say, against um, against Finland. Otto Vertonen is the is the number two for Finland. He's who again has, has has sort of stepped up in this competition before. So I think that's a very even number two singles match that that really could go either way. And then and then we see if um, if Rusevori's fit or not. Otto Vertonen, what a good name that is. Okay. Well, so that match is going to take place on Tuesday. So tomorrow at 4 p.m. local time. First couple of days, just a single tie, mm-hmm. I believe, Matt. And then there's, there are two on Thursday. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. They ease you in and then they they bombard you with two on Thursday and then it's back to one for the rest of the tournament. It's quite a, it's quite a manageable uh, schedule, actually. Okay. Well, and, and also, I suppose... This being a contrast to Billie Jean King Cup, you you get all of these ties with all eyes on them because it's going to be one at a time, all on the same court. You know that that's that's quite a difference. Yeah, definitely, and and knockout straight away is obviously the big the other big difference to the Billie Jean King Cup. I spoke uh, to Wesley Coolhoff in in the press conference today and and sort of asked him, you know, as a doubles specialist. Does he like this new format? Because on the one hand, when you get to the doubles, it really, really matters. You know, it is it is everything. It is the decider after the two singles. But you could also be here the whole week as a doubles specialist and not play, you know. And he, he did say that, well, the term he used actually to describe that was shitty, uh, so, you know, he's <laughs> he's not a massive fan of having to hang around and train and not play. Uh, but I think he does appreciate the fact that when there is doubles, it is elevated to sort of yet another level. So I think that's a sort of balance that all the all the doubles players uh, are sort of dealing with. Okay, so we've then got Australia against Czechia on Wednesday, also at four o'clock local time. That that looks like a very interesting clash, Matt, because once again that. There are, there are good players. There's, there's Alex Diminor, who's who's been such a stalwart for that team, of course. But I don't know. There's not absolute cast-iron guarantee big-name players that are going to just take over these ties. Absolutely, yes. Uh, Australia have a very similar team to last year. In fact, they did have the same team up until this morning when Tanasi Kokinakis was swapped out and Alexi Popperin came in. Uh, interestingly, all of their singles players, so Dumanor, Max Purcell, uh, Jordan Thompson, Alexi Popperin, are way higher ranked than they were this time last year. You know, they, they have all really done well in in singles this year. Um, and of course, they reached the final last year. So I think Australia are in a good position to be able to get back to that again. I think Alex Dumanor is... Well, he's the highest ranked player in the top half. So, you know, I think that you'd be backing him to to win his singles matches. And then they've got Ebden and Purcell in the doubles, who, of course, won Wimbledon in 2022. So they're 
they're pretty strong and and they're sort of built in Leighton Hewitt's image, aren't they? You know, you just he he's a little bit scary as a Davis Cup captain. I, I he, he just because there's this tension because he loves the Davis Cup so much, but he hates the new format. Like he despises it. He was asked today, you know, what he would do. To, what tweak he would make to the format. And he just said, I'll change it back. <laughs> like, it was just, there's no other thought in his mind. Like, but at the same time, he wants all his players to, you know, play with the pride and passion. And, you know, you could, you could play a real drinking game during an Australian press conference with however, however many times they mentioned playing for the green and gold, you know, they just, they just love it. And Hewitt instills that in them. So, I really think Australia are sort of well are sort of set up to do well here, but of course they are they are playing Czechia, who who have the best player in the world, Thomas Mahatch, on their team, <laughs> and Anjiri Lahechka, who you know has a big game and is is sort of capable of sort of hitting people off the court. I think so. Czechia were great in in September. They didn't lose a single match. They won all of their group stage matches three three nil. Um, and they're a young team. They're pretty hungry. So I think this is a very, very even tie as well. Catherine, who, who do you think are going to win those top two matches? Canada, Finland and Australia, Czechia. I mean, obviously, Dimonor's the standout singles player. But Mahatch, I know we sort of, we, we joke about it, but <laughs> he is capable of so much, that guy. You know, I mean, we... we, we he first came to my attention when he when he beat Dan Evans actually in the Davis Cup. I think maybe three years ago, two three years ago, something like that. And and I just remember seeing every time Evans came into the net, he got past. It was it was a nightmare for him, a nightmare matchup. And then we just happened to walk past his court, Mahatch's practice court in Australia on the first day we were there, jet lagged, and we just saw him play one of the most mind boggling up close rallies I think I've ever seen. <laughs> and we just declared him the best player in the world. Um, but he is really, I mean, it's a, he, he is really, really good. Um, do you think either Canada or Australia will not be there in the knockout stages that follow? I think Australia will be there. Um, I think if Emil Roussevori is fit, I really can see Finland progressing there. But it, it sounds like a very big if. Um, I'm, I'm, I remain unconvinced by the form and confidence of Felix Auger Eliassime. Now he could return to the scene of one of his greatest career moments, and that could boost him and uplift him. And you know, in, in, in the way that we were talking about with Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury yesterday, and how great they are at winning the same title over and over, he might those memories might bolster him or they might add some pressure and remind him what a different place he was in 12 months ago and enhance his crisis of confidence. I really don't know. Um, but it is a big question mark for me over Felix Auger-Eliassim. Add in the, the Pospisil question mark and fitness permitting, I think Finland have a, quite a big chance in that tie. But I do... I do see Australia delivering. Mm. Do you feel like Canada probably have got to win that number one singles, really? I mean, again, to be fair to the other two fellas, they, they were the ones who got them through into the, the finals. But 
you know, Ogelia seems going to be wanting to win that one. So it'll be fascinating. That, that that's what I love about the event generally is is the competitiveness and the and the different possibilities. Um, the third of the quarterfinals pitches Italy against the Netherlands. Uh, that's at Thursday at ten in the morning uh, local time. Cracker, that'll be nine in the morning here. Um, Yannick Sin is going to be there, Matt. It's um. It's it's a big ask, isn't it, for him and Djokovic to come straight out of the final in Turin and straight on to the the scene there. But I mean, didn't Djokovic he played in the the qualifying, didn't he? And, and he came straight out of the U.S. Open and, and and won a match immediately for them. He did, yeah. And I think he was perhaps expecting to sort of need to be there because. Um, they were in a group with Spain and I think everyone was was thinking Carlos Alcaraz would be there but then Alcaraz wasn't there and Djokovic was and and he ended up beating Davidovic Fikina I think um, so I think I think Djokovic is again I think that's where experience helps I think he's he's going to be used to you know playing a different event different conditions um, different pressures I, th- I think I think it's going to be a lot for Yannick Sinner you know he's not going to have the home crowd, for example, he's he's just come off a loss. I know he was absolutely brilliant in Turin, but he ended on a on a loss, whereas Djokovic ended on a high, and it just feels a bit easier maybe for Djokovic to just carry that through. And he's been very vocal about how much he wants to win this for Serbia, and I, I think that's it's going to be one of the interesting things about the Davis Cup this week. Trying, you know, Djokovic trying to do it for Serbia but it's it's not entirely in his control you know he he can control his his singles match absolutely but it's possible then that he'll have to step onto a doubles court and 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 try and win that as well and he he isn't the most brilliant doubles player we've seen him we've seen him get quite frustrated when he seems to be playing with sort of slightly inadequate partners before I, I do remember him playing with Viktor Troitsky once at the Davis Cup finals and Troitsky could barely make a ball and Djokovic could could not hide his contempt. Uh, you know, it was, it was just amusing. It's it's just an amusing dynamic seeing, you know, the guy who's all about control and, and all about, you know, having things and bending bending things to his own will, it seems, having to rely on on a doubles partner to sort of help him win this this big thing for Serbia. I think that's just just a fascinating element to the Davis Cup. But I, I agree. I think um I think he will cope with the transition from Turin to Malaga. I'm I'm not worried about that at all, but I am a, a little bit worried for Yannick Sinner, I suppose, um, just because of how how different it's it's gonna feel for him. Is it more difficult, do you both think? I don't know what the what the whether there's any data we could glean or at least anecdotally from the last couple of years about how difficult stroke easy it is to win the Davis Cup finals in the current format if you're a a, sing, a single player, very strong player, like Andy Murray was in 2015, like Ivan Lubacic was for Croatia, like Novak Djokovic is now. Is it more difficult to win the Davis Cup now when you've got three matches, it's best of three rubbers, they're best of three sets, versus how it used to be do you think like if you put Djokovic in the old format and he's still got to play three matches to win it easier or harder to 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 get through as that as that dominant singles player but maybe with not such a strong team in depth and a doubles team 
I think best of three is more of a leveller. But I think best of three rubbers uh, is is perhaps the opposite. Um, I don't I don't know. I I mean my my Davis Cup childhood was spent largely watching GB teams win with with one player. <laughs> you know, um, okay, there were some when there was both Tim and Greg playing. But then they would team up for the doubles. They, we, we, GB were no GB men were no good at doubles back in the day. It was the singles players teaming up to play the doubles. Now, generally, it, it is it is doubles teams that seem to to shine in in the Davis Cup. So you could make the argument there's actually a bit more depth. Um, I don't know, Matt. What do you think? I'm trying to think of the winners we've had since the format changed and I think I think I would say there's been a bit of a split really because I would say you know Auger Aliassime was essential to to Canada last year it felt like he sort of put the team on his back and, and led um, but then you know we had the Russian Tennis Federation winning and they had depth across the board rather than sort of one standout um, in the Billie Jean King Cup Leila Fernandez did you know sort of put Canada on her back this this year and was able to sort of assert her influence on that team. The Swiss had Bengchik sort of leading from the front. So I, I do still think having, having a standout singles player can really help. I suppose just looking at it mathematically, like one out of three is, is less than two out of five. You know, it's, you 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 play him forty percent of the matches in the old format, whereas it's only a third in 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 this new format. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very very interesting interesting point. I, I I do think perhaps the the fact that the ties are in such quick succession, you know, I think it's quite helpful to to have some support. You know, just I, I think yeah. I don't think a one man team can really win this new format. Like you do need you do need backup because you're playing different opponents and there are different matchups and and the matches are happening thick and fast. Like so I do think obviously it's helpful to have a great singles player, but I don't think we've seen a team win win the new format with sort of only one person doing everything, which is we did see that a little bit in the past. I think I think now it it does perhaps place a greater emphasis on on the team, but I haven't fully worked through that. I would be interested to hear people's assessment. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. 
being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch, isn't it? Because it was two years ago, I think, when Croatia beat Serbia and uh, Djokovic winning his singles... And then he took on Mektic and Pavic in the doubles. And he just, it didn't matter how good he was. He just hadn't got enough cohesion with his partner versus what they'd got in order to to prevail. And uh, I think, I mean, I think Djokovic is a better player now than he was two years ago. Um, extraordinarily to think. I think he's kind of maybe capable of bending things to his will, as you, as you put it, even more now. So... I, and and he wants it so much, you know. I, I think both of those two editions of the the Davis Cup, that one and the one before pre COVID, do you remember how devastated he and his team mm. were in that press conference afterwards when, when I think Tip Saravich was retiring, the whole thing was just so tough for them at that point. And then they went and won the ATP Cup, and they were really jubilant about that, having done it as a as a country. But yeah, this is a big deal. The fact that he he could be in the Maldives right now, but he doesn't want to be. He wants to be out there fighting for his his country and and seeing if he can finish it. In what I was reading, um, would it would be in his view his best ever season if he were to get the Davis Cup on top of the ATP Finals, three Grand Slams, one match win away from all four. Um, so it, it really will be interesting. The the other the other match there we we touched on it, Italy against the Netherlands is on Thursday morning. Matt, you were you were in the press conference with Netherlands. What what sort of team have they got this time round? Well, I started by getting told off by Paul Harhouse. That was oh, right. Okay, well, wasn't a great start to the press conference. They were early. What was that for? Tennis players are never early. Do you make him? Do you make him cry? <laughs> Tennis players are never early, and so I I was late to the press conference because it was you know quite a walk to get there from from where I was sitting, and there had apparently been an announcement that we weren't supposed to ask questions to the captain until after we'd asked all the questions to the players, because then the players were going to go off and practice, and the captain was going to stay and and take the questions. But I I bowled in there with a question for for Paul Harhouse, and he and he he let me get all the way through the question. And then said, "No, I'm not answering that. You got to, you got to, you got to ask a question for the players." So that wasn't <laughs> wasn't the most pleasant experience. Um, but they they have a sneaky good team in the Netherlands. They always do. Um, and I think Talon Greek Sport is a very tough match for Yannick Sinner um, indoors. You know, Talented Greek, player, isn't he? He's very he's very good. Yeah, he just is explosive. Uh, he, Matt Matt is always when when I'm with Matt and he says I need a prediction from you during a Grand Slam and I'm 
I'm trawling through <laughs> the order of play and I'm I'm last, you know, of seven of us to go in the predictions and all of all of the good ones have gone and it's absolute dreck. <laughs> Matt is always trying to point me in the direction of Talon Greeks, but Talon Greeks ball, Catherine, he's good. Always. <laughs> it's a very Matt sort of tip, mm, isn't it? Yeah. Well, okay. I stand by it. I stand by but, it. But then there was a there was a time. Who did you get Ilya Ivashka it confused with? Igor Gerasimov. You sold me. You right? Yeah, he sold me an absolute dud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so mm. Talent Greeks anyway, for yeah. one of their players. He's their number one. Yeah, he's their number one. I mean, he played. Again, look, it wasn't peak Novak Djokovic, but he really pushed Novak Djokovic the other week in Paris, didn't he? Six four in the third. That it was it was nip and tuck. He was he was impressive. I think he likes these conditions. Um Bortic van der Zanschulp is their number two, who had this event been a few months ago, he'd been he'd been terribly out of form, but he has he has picked up indoors. He he's had he's he's put some results together in the last couple of weeks. So you would expect him to line up against, well, I don't know who's going to play number two for Italy. They've got Sonigo, Mosetti, and Arnaldi. Um, I would probably back Sonigo the most, just sort of in this in this environment. I've, I've seen him play well in, in, in Davis Cup before. But, you know, I don't think it's out of the question here that, that Netherlands can take that at least to the doubles. And then, yeah, they've got... Uh, They've got Wesley Kuhlhoff to play probably with either Greek Spore or Baltic van der Zanskul. So, you know, they're they're pretty tough, the Netherlands. I think that's I think Italy are favourites, of course, but it's it's a tricky, tricky tie. That should be another noisy one, Matt, because mm. Italy bring fans, don't they? And Netherlands, I think, are another one that have one of those two countries have bust people in before. Uh, last year, I seem to remember. Yeah, well, the Netherlands in their orange orange suits, which are which now look like Yannick Sinner fans. There was loads of them last year, yeah. and they were courtside, and it was great. Yeah. Mm, okay, and actually, I mean, thinking about it, really, Serbia and Britain should be pretty noisy too, because from what I understand, Britain are bringing quite a few, and Novak Djokovic and his supporters come everywhere, really, don't they? And uh, so, yeah, it's um, it's going to be very interesting. What, what do you think? You'd, you'd make Italy favourites, therefore, Matt. Serbia and Britain, Britain depleted because Andy Murray's injured. He's hurt his shoulder. He can't play. Um, Dan Evans is out. So it's a very different team to the one that actually qualified for, for these finals, isn't it? What, where does that leave Britain and their chances of actually winning this? Because the assumption would be you ain't going to win the first point. Well, the the number two singles play f- first i think so right. that would be that would be jack draper and okay. then it would be cameron norrie lining up in the number one position against novak djokovic it it's interesting because britain facing serbia let's be honest they need to win the number two singles and they need to win the doubles because even with a full strength squad there's no one you know, there's no one anyone's really got who you would put as favourite against Novak Djokovic. So let's let's write that one off. And I think that is Britain's strength. The number two singles, Jack Draper, that's a 
great player to have in that position. He's been in really good form recently. We know his potential and his upside is is higher than his his current ranking. So I think if he's able to be fit, you know, that's always the question mark with him. But he's got a lot of reps in recently, a lot of matches. I think Draper against whoever the Serbs line up, um, Laszlo Gera, Mirme Ketsmanovic, you know, there's 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 options for them. I don't know who they'll go with, but I think Draper has to back himself to try and get that point. Then you lose the number one singles and then you're into the doubles. And then you've got this situation where Britain have got two great doubles players in, in Joe Salisbury and Neil Skupski, who have obviously both been at the ATP finals, but they don't play together. You know, they, they, you feel like they could be a brilliant team, but we don't, we don't really know. And we had, I think there's a reason they haven't played that much together before. And I think it's probably because they may be, don't gel that well as a team. So they, they sort of look good on paper to double specialists, but how good are they in reality up against Djokovic and someone else? Uh, he did he did enter the doubles in Paris with Ketsmanovic, I noticed a couple of weeks ago. So maybe that was a hint that that, that would be their preferred pairing. I don't know. So I, I, again, like all these ties, I think that's very, very close because I make Britain the favourite in the first singles, Serbia the favourite in the second singles, and then the doubles feels like a bit of a a coin flip. It's going to be very interesting. Catherine, do you think right now that actually the more dangerous of the two British singles players is Draper? And if so, isn't that's probably good news for Leon Smith that actually he just happens to be number two? Abs- both those things, 100%. Um, I think that's fallen incredibly, incredibly well for Leon Smith. And I would, even if Andy Murray and... and and Dan Evans were both fit, I'd be wanting Jack Draper to play it too, which means making A, another, a sacrificial lamb to Novak Djokovic in the number one singles in that opening tie. Um, And I, I don't think it would matter which one of those it was. So in terms of the Serbia tie, I kind of think it's those injuries and neither here nor there. And Maybe Evans in the doubles. I, uh, Evans Evans in the doubles is is the critical one and, and the fact that he and Neil Skubski are a well-worn partnership. Now, I know uh, Skubski and Salisbury have played together and had success together. I think 2021 was the last time they, they did an event in San Diego, maybe, um, and back in 2018 as well. But, uh, and... I don't. I, I honestly don't have any behind-the-scenes information about this, and maybe I'm completely wrong. But logically, there is so much upside to British doubles players. So, you know, it can be tough to make a living in doubles. You, you've got to maximise wherever you can. There is so much upside to, particularly for for Brits or from for players from a Grand Slam nation, to play with a countryman or woman in terms of s- sponsorship the Olympics, um, logistics, you know, training bases, all of that. If there, if there's, I think, all other things being equal, you'd want to play with a countryman um, and they don't. So there must be 
a reason for that. doesn't mean it's some drastic they hate one another reason or they're absolutely rubbish together reason. But they're obviously not a dream pairing or else I believe they'd be playing together because there are so many reasons to do so. Um, so that does give me pause. But equally, Djokovic with in, insert someone to inferior to Djokovic's name here is also rarely a completely convincing partnership. So I do find that really compelling. And I do find Jack Draper in this competition compelling because there is not a there is not a number two singles player in this competition that I wouldn't give him a really good chance against in the form that he seems to be in. It does worry me how the draw is fallen and that GB play their quarterfinal on Thursday, which means it would be uh, a lot of tennis in the space of four days for for a player who's, whose body has broken down in the past. Um, but as Matt says, he's got reps in recently. Um, so it, it... and. Maybe a test is what his body needs. You know, he needs to get battle-hardened. That's what's been missing for him. So I I find, obviously, as a British person, I've got kind of added interest in GB, but I do find them really intriguing in this competition. It's quite interesting how the injuries have have simplified things for Leon Smith. I, I, you know, I think, you know, Britain didn't qualify for this finals last year. They lost in the groups. And... I just couldn't help but think that the makeup of the British team was suddenly so different to anything Leon Smith had ever sort of had before. You know, it used to be so clear. It was Andy Murray and it was Andy and Jamie in the doubles. And I think sometimes sometimes having fewer options is is maybe helpful. You know, it stops you, stops you overthinking, perhaps. And now, of course, he would love to have Dan Evans available and he would love to have Andy Murray available, I'm sure. But you know, then you've got a lot of selection decisions to make and, and you have to justify those decisions and all of that. But now it's just, right, Jack Draper, go out there, try and win your number two singles. It's all it's all very straightforward and that that might be a help, but I do think, you know, he, he maybe will, he will regret not having the options, perhaps if they even do get past Serbia, where maybe the number one singles suddenly becomes something that if you had Dan Evans available, you might have been able to win. But with Cameron Nori outside of you know his best form at the moment, that it feels like a tough ask for Nori to win a match here. But maybe maybe he can find a spark. But yeah, it's a it's a much clearer task for Britain than it would have been if everyone was available. And there are advantages and disadvantages to that. I think the single biggest gift to to Leon Smith, there are upsides to the injuries as as we've said. But the single biggest gift is Jack Draper's ranking being so yeah. low. And the guarantee that no matter who you put in at one, injuries or not, he's your number two player. Because that's so often decisive. Who is your, who's got the best, second best player? Mm. And he's and he's better than his, his ranking, obviously, because his ranking is so injury yeah. determined, but he's fit. So is anybody picking Britain to beat Serbia here? I think I might have just talked myself <laughs> into it, you know. I've still got to go for I'm, Serbia. I'm edging. I think. I'm edging Serbia because of because yeah. of the Djokovic factor, of course. Yeah, and and I I would I would go for Italy as well. I think I'm not convinced though. I'm not convinced. I think I think it, I think you're right. It's a lot on Yannick Sinner that. Um, yeah, I think I might go the Netherlands in that one. Yeah, they're very very interesting. Okay, 
Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it all unfolds. It's all going to get underway starting tomorrow, uh, Tuesday at uh, four p.m. local time. So the the winner of the first quarter final between Canada and Finland will play against the winner of the second quarter final, Australia and Czechia, on Friday in the semis. Then on Saturday at uh, an earlier start, actually of twelve o'clock. The the Friday one's at four p.m. again on Saturday. It's 12 o'clock midday and it'll be either Italy or the Netherlands against Serbia or Britain. And then the final is four o'clock on Sunday. Is there anything else, Matt, from your time spent in press conferences over the last 24 hours that you would like to relate uh, before we get on to episode mascot? And it's a good one this week. Do you know, I, I, I don't think there is. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to get on to the good mascot. Excellent, excellent. Because I really enjoyed starting with Finland, a little surprisingly, and going very deep on that, and really enjoying it. And now we get to go sort of full circle from all the slight doom and gloom of Finland in November to looking at beautiful pictures of Luna and Maggie frolicking in the grass on a lovely summer's day. And Luna and Maggie are owned by Holmes Finch. Maggie is a rescue who's been with us. That's what Holmes writes for 11 years she's a mix of miniature pincher and boston Mm -hmm. terrier uh maggie is the sweetest dog we've ever had and loves nothing more than laying in the sunshine luna is a six-year-old havanese her favorite activity is taking long walks with her humans and playing soccer with one of her many toys and don't they look happy Catherine? and don't they look like friends that is that is a shot of sunshine in the arm. That photo, um, a Havanese is what a uh, friend of the pod, Matt Futterman, of uh, of the Athletic, uh, has recently acquired, and I've been been reassuring him all the way along the journey that they are gorgeous dogs, and he will fall in love eventually because <laughs> <laughs> they really, really are. And the um, and Luna. No, sorry, it's Maggie that's um, the pincher uh, Boston Terrier cross. What a lovely cross. What a dignified lady she looks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're gorgeous. Yeah. So thank you so much, Holmes, uh, for making them mascots of the Tennis Podcast. And if you would like your pet or pets to be a mascot of the Tennis Podcast in 2024, from the 8th of December, you will be able to, because that's when we open it all up. Um, So keep your eye on our newsletter. If you're not already subscribed, get over there. You'll get access to Matt's stat every single week of the year uh, and daily during the Grand Slam. So he's producing about 100 stats a year and they are very, very thoroughly researched and thought through. Some are better than others. (laughs) They're all great, aren't they, Catherine? (laughs) And, And we know how good they are because once in a while, Matt has to have like a week off and then Catherine and I have to come up with one. And uh, then we realise just how hard it is. Catherine's better at the concepts. Um, yes, and I'm not very really good at any of it. But uh, So anyway, we've had one one go, and we'll have, probably have to do two or three next year as well. But Matt will be doing about 100 of them next year. We'll also be doing our predictions all year long as well. So that's what you get access to if you signed up to our newsletter. So make sure you are. Uh, we have our own mascots as well. And they will also be available for 2024 if you'd like to have your pet be our mascot. Uh, I've got Maisie, and Maisie has been the most excellent mascot this year after Darwin dumped me and went for Matt. Um, 
It's okay, Darwin. I forgive you. Um, but I've just romped away with the predictions competition, which has been magnificent. So, Maisie, thank you so much. Catherine's got Xenia, uh, and Catherine's in second position. So, Xenia and Catherine are a fairly decent team as well. Uh, Billie Jean, the dog, is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our top folks and executive producers, Jamie, Hannah, and Drew. And, Matt, we have shout-outs. We have Bob Seifert in Boston. All right, Bob. Bob, Hello, Bob says that he completed his lifetime fan grand slam this year by attending Roland Garros. Oh, it's one of my favorites. So Bob did it the same way as I did it by mm. turning up to Roland Garros last. Yeah. And no doubt being very pleasantly surprised. Matt and I, of course, road tripped to, well, not quite Boston, but very close yes. to Boston in the summer. Yeah. Bob Bryan being a tennis player, Bob who we can highlight. And actually, Matt, no United States at the Davis Cup finals. Correct, yes. Uh, that's why we've got Finland, because Finland beat, beat the US in, um, wow. in the group stages in September. Yeah, it's yeah. Quite, quite something, isn't it? Okay, well, thank you very much, Bob, for being a friend of the Tennis Podcast. We've also got Ted Kurth in Chicago. Like Ted Tinling, yes. the great designer of all the outfits of uh, Billie Jean King's yes. era. Very good. Yeah, Chicago. Never been to Chicago, but I'd Home like to. the White Sox and the Bears and all that. And, and Ted. Yep. And the Labour Cup a couple of yes. years ago. Yep. All the big things. <laughs> Ted, <laughs> Ted is a proud graduate of the University of Virginia, which he says has won six of the last ten... NCAA men's team championships, and it's where wow. Daniel Daniel Collins and Brandon Nakashima both went there. Apparently, whoa, that's pretty good alumni, mm. isn't Interesting. it? Interesting, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Ted. Bet it, I bet it's fun mm. playing on a U.S. college tennis team. Well, Daniel Luke Collins great. certainly looks pretty well adjusted to, to life, having mm. gone through the whole thing. Yeah. So, yeah, good advert. And as does Ben Shelton. Thank you, Ted. <laughs> Thirdly, we've got Stefan Kapolak in Seattle, Washington. Hey, Seattle, home of my Seahawks, who lost in the last kick of the game last night after I stayed up till after midnight watching them. What a waste of time that was. <laughs> anyway. Didn't you win in the last kick correct. of the game last but week, I'm, though? I'm still not happy. Yeah, He's still well. famine. You're wearing a Seahawks I know. jumper, though. David's always wearing a Seahawks jumper. <laughs> he is always wearing I've got three of them, so I just rotate. <laughs> okay. And, um, Stefan says, if anyone has any stories or memories about Yelena Yankovic that they could share, I would be grateful. She's she's my favourite player. And I and I I did remember that we could we could tease a, a friend's friends episode because we were we did one recent recently where we had to talk about who we thought was the best player not to have won a slam in the last, I can't remember what the parameters were, 10 or 15 years. Someone yes, went someone for Someone said Yankovic. Me. I did oh, that. You've ruined the tease, David. That was David. the tease, David. Oh, sorry. Well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like Stefan Edberg and Stefan Djokovic. Uh, and by the way, you know, when I think of Yelena Yankovic, I always think of the 2008 US Open when she reached the final because my... 
days were just dominated by going out searching for people to interview to preview the Andy Murray-Roger Federer match coming up the next day. That's when I ran into uh, or I, I doorstepped uh, Don King coming out of the uh, mm. Serena Williams against Yelena Yankovic match. Um, but she was defeated in the final. That interview is available on a tennis relived somewhere as well, isn't it? <laughs> yes, mm. I think it is, actually. Mm. <laughs> Oh. And finally, we have one of our very favourite people, Sophie Smith. Hey. Oh. Lovely, lovely Sophie. We love Sophie. Always with us. Yeah. She was. Um, yeah, Sophie is so supportive. She was one of my at the history conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she came yeah. to Shrewsbury. Yeah, we love we you, Sophie. Thanks so much Thank for being you. a friend of the Tennis Podcast, for all your support, and for all of you for listening, for being friends. If you're not already a friend, become one. Become one for Christmas, if you want, and you'll get loads and loads of um, Tennis Podcast extras over the course of the next year. We've we produced more than 50 bonus editions of the Tennis Podcast just for friends. Tennis Relived, Q&As with us, where you get to send your questions in. Grand Slam review shows, which are some of my favorites where we get voice notes from lots of our favorite people and and contributors and get a different take on all the grand slams they'll be coming your way as usual in 2024 uh, you can also make a gift of the tennis podcast to become a friend if you like too it's all there if you go to tennis.supportingcast.fm and the link is in your show notes as well so matt off you go to bed Bright and early tomorrow for research, although you haven't got to be up until 4pm by the looks of things. You're forgetting dinner, David. It is it, oh, it is yeah. 9 o'clock in Spain, which is still early. So that's in my future. Marvellous. Okay. Well, Catherine's already had a nap, so it's um, it's not bedtime yet for Catherine. She's a bit of a, a night owl. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> I won't. I won't be hearing from you till about eleven p.m. eleven a.m. tomorrow. Chiefs Eagles tonight, oh, David. Okay, fine. <laughs> just knows this stuff. Given that I'm on a given that I'm on a weird <laughs> yeah. time zone. I, I, I'd love to have a, have a conversation between Catherine of four years ago and Catherine now about the NFL and see see how that unfolded. <laughs> I, I sort of would too. <laughs> okay. Um, Growth. Don't think I'll be able to organise that. But like anyway, uh, lovely to talk to you both. Lovely to talk to you, our lovely listeners. And we'll be back with another edition of the Tennis Podcast. And every night over the week of the Davis Cup Finals, we'll be with you. See you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.